Each new challenge also provides a new opportunity for us to reinvent the industry and reconsider ways in which we've done things in the past. This is why the registry continues to provide industry insights through personal interviews with the leaders who are shaping real estate each and every day. By subscribing to our podcast, you are helping us in our work, and we will continue to deliver programming such as the one you're about to hear. Please click the subscribe button and let your friends and colleagues know about us. It will help you and the industry stay ahead of the game. We sit down with David Greshler. He's the co-founder and CEO of Nomad Go, a company he founded in 2016 with an initial focus on the food service and retail markets. Since then, Nomad Go's capabilities have spanned across verticals, serving customers in the commercial real estate, entertainment, hospitality, and education markets. Nomad Go's real-time data capture using computer vision, machine learning, and edge processing offers a unique solution for customers looking for scalable, accurate, and cost-effective special intelligence. We sat down with David to understand the business better and how he's been helping the commercial real estate industry create smarter buildings and better informed end users. David, good afternoon. How are you? Oh, doing well, Vlad. Excellent. Where do we find you today? Where are you? Well, uh, we're based out of Kirkland, Washington, enjoying the uh, continuing cloud cover that we've had here <laughs> for a couple of weeks. Yeah. What's new? I was I was telling somebody the first two weeks of January we had half the rainfall for the entire year I think right I mean it's been so wet it's been kind of incredible it's amazing yeah I'm, yeah. I'm I, I hear tomorrow's going to be sunny so I'm looking forward to yay that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great well thank you for taking the time by way of introduction David would you mind telling us a little bit about you know your yourself your company, sort of how the winding road uh, of your career kind of got you to where you are today? Sure. I guess you could call me a serial entrepreneur. I've done startups for a good part of my career. I actually started my career at the MIT Media Lab, okay, where I you know did research on digital video when video was not digital. Um, <laughs> yeah. And surprisingly, actually, you know, what I learned there applies very much to the business I'm in today, but the journey has been cur- a long curve. I, after that, I worked at the Computer Museum, which was in Boston and now is in Palo Alto. Okay, okay. And uh, spent seven years there. And from there, had developed a technology in the museum that I realized could be commercialized. It was right when the internet was taking off. Uh, you know, everybody was talking about streaming video, but uh, no one was talking about taking applications and making it available on demand. And so uh, I started a company called Softricity, which uh, eight years later, we ended up selling to Microsoft to help them make software easier to deploy. So when you, for instance, today use Microsoft Office and it just streams across the internet so you can run it, that's using the technology that we developed. From there, I did a few more, uh, stayed at Microsoft and then did a few more startups. But this one is by far the most interesting. All right. Nomad Go takes advantages of the advances that have happened in computer vision over the last, well, 20 years, but really in the last five years to be able to provide a solution for the commercial and the residential real estate industries, as well as the retail industry, to really understand what's going on inside their spaces. Yeah. So give us some applications of that, maybe maybe some use cases of what's going on inside the spaces. Sure. So, you know, 
and your audience will appreciate this. In many ways, we're blind about what happens inside a commercial or a residential space. You know, there may be tools that sort of with badges and so on that capture, you know, when somebody comes in and out. But there's really no technology up to this point that really gives you real-time data about how many people are in your building, how many people are in specific areas, whether it's a common area or a conference room or anything along those lines. Okay. And that information has been really lacking. And as a result, has made buildings incredibly inefficient, especially you know when it comes to uh, um, demand control ventilation, heating and cooling. Sure. Yeah. And it's been one area that I've observed when I talk to architecture firms, it sounds like the way that they kind of do it and when they talk to their clients is by having employees fill out surveys, right? <laughs> and sort of yes. things, things like that, right? So it's a very kind of ar- archaic way of collecting that that type of uh, information. Prior to COVID, what was this information you used for? And then obviously, I think it's a little obvious kind of where, where this is going, but give us sort of a sense where you were with this business, you know, a year ago, right? A year ago, people really, you know, for instance, one of the developers we worked with, they really had, they, they would get anecdotal information about what people wanted in terms of uh, facilities. Uh, you know, somebody would tell them, oh, we really need a yoga room. We really need a gym. But they had no idea, actually, how many people were using any yeah, of those facilities. Yeah. So just getting what we call visual uh, uh, intelligence about usage of your space, right? was a very important piece of that business. The other, of course, was more in the retail area where customers would really like to know how long are our lines? For instance, uh, you know, we all, you all, if you're in the Seattle area, you're probably familiar with Evergreens, which is a, uh, a salad, what they call fast casual salad. Yes. Yep. Provider. Yep. You know, for them, you know, if you go in at 10 in the morning, there's no lines. But if you go in at 1130, you may have a long line. And of course, the faster they can get people through those lines, the more revenue they get. And so working to understand what's the speed of service, how fast are people moving through those spaces, and then understanding how your staffing has been designed to be able to be the most efficient so that you can move people through the space. Those are the kind of data points that we can provide with Nomad Go, both in terms of your customer movement and and your employee movement as well. Did you have clients sort of prior to COVID that were also looking at just the utilization of office space and kind of how better they can they can do that, or was that just, yes. was that just starting? No, that that's another area, of course. That and again, that's part of that whole visual intelligence, right? So it's amazing, right? When people make decisions about leases, about whether they're going to allocate a space and lay it out, often the information is again very anecdotal. Yeah. Well. Our technology gives you, uh, you know, a precise read on on how many people not, are not just in the big space, but in every single one of the spaces. And so, as you think about, well, you know, we're going to get, we're going to bring on a hundred more employees. Do we actually have to lease more space or not? Right. It it really gives people a lot more intelligence about how that data um, can help them. Sure. So obviously, with COVID, the need for some of this is heightened even more, correct? Yeah. Tell us how that's helped you evolve the business. There's a meme out there that (laughs) you may have seen, okay? And it goes, who led your digital transformation? And choice A is the CEO, choice B is the CFO, and choice C is (laughs) COVID-19. 
COVID-19 has made people aware, not just about sort of, you know, why why are we physically signing documents? Let's just use DocuSign, right? You know, I mean, you know, why are we having all these meetings when we can use Teams or or Slack, um, you know, or Zoom? But equally so, there's been an awareness that we have no idea what's really going on inside our physical spaces. And with COVID, we need to know sort of immediate need on that, which we met very quickly, was um, understanding, you know, are people social distancing and are people wearing masks? Yeah. And so with our technology, and we'll, we can get into the how in a bit, part of what's really great about our technology is the ability to very quickly roll out new features when the demand arises. So of course, a year ago, no one had ever thought about why would I care if I knew someone's wearing a mask inside my building? Well, that changed quickly. And so we were able to train our computer models, our vision models, to quickly detect mass detection um, and then also add on the ability to look out on a space and see if people are social distancing. So that, of course, right away, a lot of our existing customers who, uh, especially in the public food service area, very quickly embraced that technology because they really wanted it. And of course, that's equally true in the commercial and uh, residential area because a number of our customers were deemed essential businesses sure but they had to reduce the number of people they would allow in their building yeah so yep. they were able to use our technology threefold one was to record accurate occupancy and then take that data and know when they could send an alert out or display on a screen when a space of a building or actually a specific room in a building was over capacity you know yeah. based on the 25 percent and 50 percent rule that was enacted by the state of washington Secondly, they wanted to make sure that when people walked in the building, they were wearing masks. And um, a lot of them were really struggling with this because they had the admins act as the police. And yeah. we all know, you know, we've all heard the stories, whether it's in, you know, an administrator in a, in, a, uh, you know, in a commercial building or, you know, uh, food service employees interacting with people directly and asking them to wear a mask has a lot of issues with it. Yeah. What we found is with our kiosk, which we developed, which literally just in real time says, you know, please wear a mask or thanks you for wearing a mask, the amount of compliance went straight up because somehow people, the machine told me I should wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. <laughs> right. So um, that was really helpful, very helpful. And then, of course, uh, also measuring social distancing compliance was also you know, a piece of that as well to sure. really understand where people are doing that. Sure, sure. This seems like a complex technology, right? And, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, how does this work? And obviously you can't get into great technical detail, but just from an execution point of view, I, I you know, you yeah. had mentioned to me that this employs kind of like iOS devices, right? So it, it's not a, maybe as complicated as perhaps it sounds it could be. Is that correct? You're absolutely right. One of the guiding principles of Nomad Go is to make this an all-in-one solution where you don't have to worry about any of the technology. And all you need to do is just get the data. And with computer vision today, um, you know most folks who are out there with computer vision force you to sort of have to make a lot of decisions to be able to get your data. Yeah. We understood that people have to run their business, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a office tower, whether it's a you know residential building, they don't want to know about the how. They just want to get the results. And so that's exactly how Nomad Go is designed. And it begins really with the way we collect information. Up to now, the way people would collect 
computer vision information is they'd install all these cameras and wire them back to, uh, you know, a central uh, NVR and then maybe connect that to the cloud and so on. And right away we knew, like, that's just not going to work. People don't want to do all that wiring. They, you know, they, they just don't want, they don't want cameras sticking out there and so on. So we actually took a totally different approach. And what we've done is we've leveraged commercially available devices, smart devices, you know, things like tablets and phones to be able to be that sensor, which is actually the best, the world's greatest sensor because they have much better cameras than any security camera. They are incredibly durable. I mean, we all know we've dropped our phones and our iPads and, you know, they all, they all seem to survive. They might get a little crack if they get dropped too far, but even these days, Some people have sent them to space too, (laughs) right? We've seen those videos, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like they're, you know, they're waterproof and all that. So they're much, they're significantly more durable than any other IOT device out there, any other security camera or anything. They're just more reliable. And they're by far the most secure device out there as well. As you know, uh, FBI wasn't even able to even hack into an iOS device. They can't get in. Sure, You know, because that's also been a big concern with sensors up to now, security. So greatest amount of security. They have a whole slew of networking possibilities. You know, you can use wireless or power over Ethernet. They've got this great camera. And then most importantly, they've got an incredible processor on board, right? I mean, they're incredibly, you know, they're they're great. A lot of computing power, yeah tons right so the thing that we really solve is that when it's collecting information what it's doing is it's running this computer vision it's being able to interpret what it sees oh a person moving left to right a person you know moving under a door it's able to do that in real time and never have to save any images it's just extracting the data so the data that gets extracted and what is sent up to the cloud is basically just the vector of what a person has done as they've moved from point a to point b right, right. and then once it's up in the cloud we run our artificial intelligence to turn that into a oh that's an entrance or oh that's an exit and then we take that data and we combine it with all the other sensors that are out there and as a result we can you know create an aggregate number that is here's how many people are in the building and here's how many people are outside the building right yeah who have left the building interesting yeah so and the beauty of that is that while you know these devices get packaged up and they look like just another building management device, a thermometer, you know, a thermostat or a motion detector, they can equally be used to be much more front facing. And we can take advantage of the screens where you can put a, you know, a sign on the screen. You can even, we even have a mode where you can turn it into a survey. And of course, with our mass kiosk, the screen actually acts as feedback and it shows, you know, it thanks people for wearing a a mask or asks them to wear a mask. Yeah. So it's highly flexible, right? It's using commodity hardware that's much cheaper than any security camera that's out there. And um, it's incredibly flexible. Yeah, super interesting. One of the things that comes to mind to me immediately is, do you define for your clients, for your users, what they should be following? I mean, it's almost like it's too much information for them to understand what they can do with this stuff, right? And I'm, I'm sort of thinking of your typical kind of, you know, end user or a landlord or somebody like that, you know, who's used to leasing buildings, right? Like the, the, yeah. the extent of their expertise comes to the, you know, nuance in the contract of the lease and things like that versus, you know, being able to determine, well, should we track this movement because that gives us X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah. Tell us how that process works. 
Sure. So our process is very straightforward. We'll sit with the customer and first of all, try to understand what are the problems they're trying to solve. And often that boils down to understanding building occupancy, understanding room occupancy, understanding compliance across, you know, mask or, or social distancing, right? And what we'll do then is once people describe to us what they'd like to know, then we come to them and say, okay, you know, well, here's what you need in terms of the number of devices to be able to collect that data. The second part of it is what they're going to do with that data. Yeah. And frankly, that's the most interesting part, right? So with that, they may, you know, they may want a dashboard that they can log into to sort of understand what's going on historically and so on. They may want an alert that shows up on a screen right outside a room if there's too many people in it. They, you know, they might want an alert sent to their phone. Oh, you know, of, of something that's going on. Uh, for instance, you know, I, I use the yoga room and the gym example earlier. Well, the other piece, especially with COVID now, is you know they want to know when there's only one person in the gym. Yeah. yeah. Or they may want to query it. Well, all that data is available, and uh, you know we have apps and so on that can be used to give people that real-time information in any form that they'd like to consume it in. And you can also update this real-time, I imagine, right? So if you decide to start collecting different variables, right, that can be done with great ease. That's one of the things. Because all the work is being done right on the device that's collecting the information, all our information is real-time. That's really what's powerful about this. Super interesting. So there's one other use of this technology, which um, is probably, you know, in many ways, the most exciting use. And goes way beyond, you know, once it is actually relevant with COVID, but I think uh, even more relevant post-COVID. And this metric is the ability to control heating and cooling. Okay. And so our technology will give you a real-time feed about how many people are in a room. Today, you know, when, when conference rooms, common rooms, anything along those lines are heated or cooled, they're either done based on a schedule, which is incredibly inefficient because it has no bearing on whether anybody's in that room or not. But uh, of course, there are these days the use of CO2 sensors, which can somewhat estimate how many people are in a room. Okay. But those CO2 sensors, the problem with them is that they take up to you know 30 minutes to actually register the right number, and they need to be calibrated once a year, which is quite expensive. And so as a result, while this data is available to people, they really end up not using it or not really trusting it. Yeah, because it's only basically hindsight, right? Yes, exactly. Hopefully, most meetings are done in 30 minutes. You never know. So the (laughs) point is, the meeting's done, and now all of a sudden, it's like, oh, there's 10 people in the room. So with our technology, again, if there's 10 people in the room, you know that instantaneously. And so what we've developed is an integration so that you can take that data and you can have it communicate with your controllers that allow you to then control uh, uh, the ventilation. And of course, what's really interesting about this is that the Department of Energy has done a lot of research in this area. And, and they call it sort of basic occupancy versus advanced occupancy. And the way they define advanced occupancy is by really understanding that the data is real time and precise. Yeah, yeah. They've run models across 15 different regions in the United States, you know, everything from Fairbanks to uh, Miami. And uh, they've determined that if you have this advanced occupancy, you will be able to save, depending on your location, between 5 and 23% of your energy 
and corresponding greenhouse gas emissions. So there's also a sustainability component to this. 100%. And it makes yeah. sense, right? Yeah. You know, people just today do not know how many people are in each of their rooms. And so they just have to overgas yeah. in terms of heating yeah. and cooling. And this is relevant today because no one's in those buildings. So are we overheating them? Are we overcooling them? That's what I've heard people are doing. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, so it's a problem today, but it'll also be a problem, of course, once once COVID's over. And on a personal level, it's also something that we've now trained ourselves to do through our, you know, nest sensors, right? And being able to, you know, deactivate heating or cooling inside a house when nobody nobody's there, right? My nest today knows when no one's inside a house and won't activate it. Right until somebody enters it again, so that's yes, that's become like a normal thing these days. It's not it's not an edge case anymore, right? Smart buildings are awesome. I think there's a lot of promise there, you know. But how quickly is the industry adapting this? What's your, what's your sense? Sure. I mean, obviously you're going to say, yeah, they should do it faster, <laughs> but <laughs> of course, of course, right? But give us a sense of kind of you know, do do you feel like there is enough velocity of adoption here? that this is you know going to make a significant difference in the next three to five years, or is it still super, super slow in terms of kind of where people are in their uh, mindset? There are really three driving factors that are accelerating this. Uh, the first one is the one I talked about, which is COVID, because I think we're never going back to the way things were in our physical spaces. Sure. People are going to want more insights. I mean, the, the whole you know hybrid work from home, work, work to the office, model that I think will emerge is not the same as it was. And so, you know, there's going to be need for more flexible uh, staffing, flexible, you know, hoteling. And to, to do that effectively, you're going to need to know what's going on inside all of your spaces. Yeah, so yeah. so I think I think COVID is a driving factor that's going to accelerate this uh, quite well. I think the second factor is energy savings and sustainability. The fact that, you know, we Buildings take up 40% of all energy in the United States. And, oh, by the way, correspondingly uh, consume, you know, uh, 40% of all greenhouse gas yeah. emissions. Yeah. So, you know, this is just a huge number that is today, you know, managed in such an imprecise way. And people being more, you know, obviously wanting to save costs. We see this all the time. People want to save costs. And so having something that actually you can tie a return uh, uh, on investment to is is another accelerant that I think is very much out there. And then finally, I, 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 you know, I think the other point is how hard is this to implement? And that's another area where we've just really tried to simplify, simplify, simplify by leveraging smart devices, by, you know, making it so you, that's all you need to put in. You don't need to put any yeah. back-end infrastructure with an NVR or anything like that. You literally just put in our sensors and you're done and you get data right away. So I think ease of use, ease of deployment, and versati versatility of that data, of course, I think those are three that, that you know, really help with this. Yeah. And, I, and I would add one more thing, which is that, you know, when you put a sensor in today, whether it's a people counter a motion detector, and you know anything along, you know Bluetooth sensors. They do one thing. That's it. The Bluetooth sensor just senses all the Bluetooth, you know, components that are out there. The motion detector senses, you know, that there's motion. Uh, people counters, you know, just count how many people come in and out. With our technology, because it's using computer vision, it can be trained to see and understand more and more things. So 
the mask is a perfect example of that, right? Before COVID, we never even thought about training on masks. Well, all we had to do was train that model, send update our sensor over the air so that now it could understand what a mask was, and now it was able to extract that. So once you've put our system in, you can start looking for all kinds of things. If you're, you know, if you want to make sure people are wearing hard hats, you can update a model to look for hard hats. Yeah. Yeah. You know, any kind of function, any kind of action. So it's really a digital foundation for a lot more flexibility and extensibility over time. Once it's it it's deployed, um, is it the ownership of the you know client or do you guys still own it? And the reason I ask that is kind of my follow up question, which is, do you feel that the you know facilities industry is up to speed with being able to, you know, monitor this, update this, kind of you know manage it in such a way where it's going to make you know sense for the end user? Yes. So the way it works again, it's not saving any images, so it's just extracting data. But that data is absolutely owned by the customer using it. Yep. And we have a whole series of, you know, architecturally, I mean, we're a service, but, um, you know, that data can be stored on our cloud. It can be stored on their cloud, anything along those lines, you know, whatever people would want. You know, the other big piece worth mentioning is, of course, that we have an integrator uh, partner uh, program where we are working with, um, you know, integrators who already do building automation yeah. right? technology to, you know, whether, whether it's to help with lighting or uh, help with HVHC or, you know, manage everything along those lines. Those are the folks we're working with to do the installation and do the integration. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Makes sense. We talked a little bit about, you know, data, and I know that's kind of, uh, you know, one of these things that's, you know, continuing to evolve. You know, you you address this a little bit, but is is that a concern in the industry in terms of sort of where it sits and who owns it and, and, and how it's being utilized? Maybe describe to us, you know, some issues that, that, that have emerged out of this and then how this perhaps resolves it. Yes, exactly. So you can't talk about computer vision and not talk about privacy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. yeah, it's just, and it, it is, you know, and we designed the entire system yeah. to be, you know, privacy first. So the first part about that is the fact that our devices are doing all the work right on the device itself, right? They're collecting the image and then they're processing it so that they know exactly what they see. Sure. But what that means is no images are saved there not on some back-end system, not up in the cloud. There are no images, right? So, and, and we don't, and our technology does not use facial recognition. Facial recognition is uh, literally, you know, looking at the geometry of the face of a person and then keeping a record of that geometry. You know, are the, the type of metrics that I described today, the ability to count how many people are coming in and out of a building, how many people are in a room, you know, mask detection, social distancing, none of that uses that technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, we, you know, and then, of course, we just, I mentioned, you know, the, the security on the device itself, but throughout our entire system, we have security to ensure that there is no violation of privacy. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. And uh, David, you mentioned earlier on in uh, your life you were, you know, with MIT. Is this technology going to evolve with the help of, you know, institutes like that, or is this sort of a private enterprise? And I'm not just talking about you in general, but just overall sort of smart building technology overall. Kind of like where, 
where is that innovation coming from, right? And and are there kind of, you know, public-private partnerships like that that could advance it even more? Certainly a lot of this work came out of the universities. And we actually, well, we have a professor on our team um, who, you know, uh, helps us uh, with our computer models and so on. Um, the big computer players, right, the Googles, the Microsofts, the uh, Amazons, are also very much working on computer vision. Um, you know, because they're more about providing a platform, they're developing a lot of the basic building blocks, yep. right, that people can use to help improve building, you know, an end-to-end solution like Nomad Go. But there is a literally billions of dollars being invested into the space. At the end of the day, you know, you look at the history of smart buildings and so much of it was these single sensors that are doing one thing. And the one, you know, that that's okay, but it becomes a burden after a while. Yeah. The difference is computer vision, right? Computer vision replaces your eyes. And so if you think about all the things you could, you do with your eyes, you know, whether it's looking at license plates or, you know, looking at cars or, you know, making decisions in real time as you're driving or, you know, all of that is, is using, you know, is using your eyes and all of that eventually can be, you know, replaced with computer vision. I mean, we, you know, you know about the, of course, you know, these self-driving cars, well, sure. yep. they're, they're using computer vision yep. Yep. Uh, as part of a mix of a bigger set of technology to be able to allow that car to make decisions in real time. Yep. And so computer vision is coming, it's coming really fast and um, it's going to impact I believe every aspect of society, it's, it's that big. It's almost, you know, it's, it's like when you think about the, the, you know, the World Wide web and the internet, when it came out, it was all about replacing everything we did in terms of the written world, yeah. whether it was reading or, you know, banking or anything that where you're writing and transacting computer vision is going to transform the physical world. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, we want to understand what is going on inside that you know, outside in the physical world. Yep. Yeah. David, as kind of my final question, uh, you know, looking five years from now, where do you want the company to be? Global, <laughs> national, yeah. uh, certain industries and, you know, verticals, where, where is the firm uh, in that time frame? Sure. Well, you know, our foundation is, as I said earlier, just incredible, you know, making computer vision incredibly easy to deploy. Yeah. And so, you know, we've worked very hard on that. We'll continue working on that. We're going to make it even easier over time. With that foundation, you know, today we've really focused, as, as we discussed, on two vertical areas. You know, the retail area all up with a real focus on food service. And then the, uh, you know, building intelligence area, uh, specifically, you know, uh, commercial real estate and, and, and uh, multifamily residential. Over time, I think you'll see us first and foremost providing more and more important and useful insights into both those spaces yeah. with an especially, you know, especially an emphasis on the, um, on, on being able to help with uh, reducing uh, energy costs and, and carbon emissions, because that one has just such a strong economic uh, impact uh, and sustainability impact. But I think longer term, you'll see us begin to come up with solutions for other verticals as well. Yeah. You, know, you think of the manufacturing spaces, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity in that area, warehouses, so on. So, you know, but the key to this will be to make it easy for people to deploy, make it easy for people to 
quickly get access to the data that's being generated yep. and make it easy for them to turn that into action so that they can, you know, improve on their revenues, reduce their costs, whatever it is. But easy, easy, easy is the key to all of this. Yeah. And that's really our focus, but with great depth and, you know, great insight. Excellent. Excellent. Well, David, uh, we wish you all the best. This is very exciting, very interesting, innovative stuff that you're doing. And um, I look forward to learning more about this in, you know, 18 or 24 months and kind of see where you've gone. So uh, best of luck and uh, stay safe. Thank you very much. And Vlad, really appreciate it. Great questions and uh, enjoyed our conversation today. All right. We'll chat soon. 